Welcome to Mommy's on a Call, your sacred space to laugh, learn, and feel like a real grown-up human for a hot minute. I'm Stephanie Uchima Carney, a mom of three under six, serial entrepreneur, business strategist, and donut connoisseur, just trying to get through the day one cold cup of coffee at a time. I believe that with more intention, a positive mindset, and self-care, it is possible to thrive in motherhood, business, and life. My mission is to uncover the daily rituals, life lessons, real-life tactics, and favorite tools to inspire and empower you, mommy, to get the most out of life every single unpredictable day. So grab your headphones, tell your kids you're on the potty, and tune in weekly for some laughs, knowledge bombs, and plenty of real talk with real moms, and maybe a dad or two. Welcome to the Mommy Pod. Hi, mamas, and welcome back. Today, I'm bringing on a badass mom, Whitney Hawthorne. She is a professional speaker and author, a certified coach, a Fortune 500 executive, productivity expert, successful entrepreneur, self-care guru, passionate mom and wife. I mean, there's really nothing this woman does not do. Whitney leads by example and loves to inspire aligned action in others. She teaches her audiences steps they can take right now to increase their productivity, grow their confidence, and bring more joy to their lives. And on top of this, she is currently on maternity leave because she is the mom of a two and a half year old and a 13 week old boy. So welcome, Whitney. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Whitney and I met through a group that we're part of, and I was really excited when I ran across her because she literally wears every single hat and does it all. So I wanted to start just by giving kind of a little background and asking you a little bit about your family structure. So I know you have two boys, but give me a little bit of background about what your family looks like and kind of the roles that you each play in your household. Sure. So I am, I'm the mom, Whitney. My husband is Jody. I'm originally, well, I was born in Texas, but I've kind of lived all over. If you ask me where home is, I'm going to tell you like home is where my mom is. And my mom for most of the, her life has been in Pittsburgh. So maybe home for me is Pittsburgh. And my husband is straight up from Louisiana, born in New Orleans. And then he grew up on the North shore, which is just on the other side of the big lake that's there. And we both met in New York and we have two sons now, um, as you mentioned, one is two and a half years old and the other is 13 weeks. And I can't believe it's 13 weeks because it feels like two, like it just blinked my eyes and suddenly, you know, he's controlling his head and it's just like, (laughs) how is the transition from, I was going to ask, how's the transition from one to two? Which do you think is worse? Zero to one or one to two? One to two, one to two for sure. (laughs) Zero to one, you have, you know, you don't know what to expect. And one to two, especially because my kids are so close in age, not, I mean, I know there are people who have kids closer in age, but having two kids within three years, it's like you finally get to that point where you are in a good rhythm and groove with a two-year-old. And then here comes another one and everything just kind of gets blown blown up and throw a pandemic on the top of that. <laughs> really exactly. But I actually think they're kind of lucky because they get to be home together. And oh, this is the whole wonderful. family is. Yeah. Yeah. No, this has been wonderful. It's been beautiful. So I work full time. I'm the breadwinner of our household. And then my husband works full time as well. He got laid off right around March, April when the pandemic hit. And so I went on maternity leave sometime in May. What that meant for us was even though I was working from home because I was pregnant, I started working from home fairly early. Like as soon as there were like disease in the air, I was like, I have a baby in my body. So I just stayed (laughs) home. 
But, and thankfully, like I'm blessed my company and my boss supported me doing that. But then daycare's closed. And so I was working from home and with my husband being laid off, he was there and able to take care of our two and a half year old. Like still mommy's the default parent. And there was a lot of literally what this call is. Mommy's on a call. Mommy's on a call. (laughs) But he was there to help. And since I've been on maternity leave and not working or rarely working is probably what I should honestly say. The maternity leave, you should not be working, but we'll go into a little bit later. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. It was, it's been really great because we're all home as a family unit. And I don't know if any other time in life we would be able to be the four of us together like this day in and day out, which sometimes is great. And sometimes it's like, where is the break? When is it going to happen? But it really, no, it's been, it's been so wonderful for us four to be together like this. I always like to ask, what did your pre-kid life look like? But in this moment, I'm actually going to ask, what did your pre-COVID life look like with both of you working outside? So before I was laid off, both of you working outside of the house, probably not working from home, and you had a kid already. What did that look like? How did you manage to work? Was it daycare? Like what sort of things did you outsource? Daycare, childcare for sure. So we have our son at daycare and our life, we've realized one of the values that we have is convenience, which I know is kind of lame, but it's real. So our daycare, we pay a decent amount. We live in New York. Daycare is just expensive to start. And we could have gone like a little cheaper and gone much further away, but instead we decided to like just do what we needed to do. And so our daycare, we're really blessed is on the way to the train. It's like three blocks from our house, less than a 10 minute walk. And I would do drop off in the morning, most mornings, unless I had an early morning meeting. And then my husband does pick up. And so the other way that I like to say that is he gets to sleep in and I get to work late. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't moms always just work late anyway? I I feel like that's the thing. And just so you guys all know, not only is she a Fortune 500 exec, she, you have a podcast, you also run a side business doing coaching. I mean, like you literally do so much. How do you fit in all of your roles and your careers and everything alongside motherhood? Yes, because motherhood is... <laughs> is also a career. <laughs> also a career. It really is. It's, it's a third job. I think for me, it's that motherhood is actually what inspired the podcast and inspired the coaching career. I've always wanted to help and support women. I was a personal trainer. I owned a gym in a previous lifetime and the gym was focused on developing women. I've always really been inspired by inspiring others and really wanting to help women. I grew up in a, in in a house where my mom was a single mom and a lot of my aunts were single moms as well. And I think just seeing like the strength of them, but also the trials and the difficulty of being a single mother, I've always just wanted to support other women as much as possible. And so I had the gym in a previous life that was focused on women. And then that kind of went away as my corporate career started to develop, right? I couldn't do both things. So I really focused on the corporate career. And now after having my son, my first son, I started to look around and I saw that there just wasn't a lot of support out there for working moms in the way that I wanted us to be supported. It's really been a movement over the last two and a half to three years. There's become more and more support like you, Stephanie, what you're doing. Like there's just more and more support for us as working moms. But what I found at that time when I was looking, I found a lot of resources on being a parent or a lot of resources on developing your career, but nothing that really spoke to me as a full-fledged multifaceted woman who is yes, a mother, but also a career lady, I guess you could say, and someone who has passions and myself, like just being a woman and wanting to take care of myself in a certain way. And so that's how I ended up starting the, a blog that then turned into the podcast and the coaching. 
they've all kind of come from the same place. And so for me, a lot of what that is, is actually cathartic. I really love talking to other working moms. I love sharing advice for the things that work for me, but also finding out what works for other people and sharing that because I know what works for me isn't exactly always going to be what works for somebody else. And so part of how I can like do all of these different things is that I find a lot of joy in what the Savvy Working Mom, my platform is. And so it replenishes me. I write articles, I put the information out there and I feel good about it. It's almost so, like your self-care and therapy. It's like it your is. outlet. So some people have like creative outlet. I mean, it is a creative outlet pretty much. I love that. Going back to, I didn't realize you you ran a gym or you owned a gym. What made you switch from being say an entrepreneur owning a gym to focusing then purely on being in a career? And were there any points during that time that you, especially after becoming a mom that you were like, I can't, I can't do this. I just want to stop. Like, or were there any moments where you thought that? Or if not, what pushed you forward? For me, it's really, I feel like if you don't do something, you might regret it. But if you do do something, then you'll just learn from it. And so when I had the gym, I actually started the gym and then started a a, a role at, at American Airlines is actually where I was. And so I was working there. Um, I was an analyst at the time and I had this gym. And so I had the gym and I would go and train people really early in the morning. I employed a couple other trainers and then sometimes I would train people late at night. You know, I was single, ready to mingle in the whole deal. It's a long time ago. At one point, my career really just started taking off. And also I started to travel more for work. And so I said, okay, either I can stop this and I can start a gym and go and develop that, or I can keep doing this career thing. And at the time, I had been offered a role I applied for and earned a role, I guess you could say, working on the airport of the future, which I was like, this is a once in a lifetime kind of thing. So for me, it was like, if I don't try and work, do this role of like designing the airport of the future and I'm an avid traveler, when am I ever going to get to do this again? Like I can always go back and start a gym again. I've done it once, I can do it again. And so I made the choice, sold off kind of the assets for the gym and just went full steam ahead in the, in the career side. And then when I had my son, again, some of this kind of stuff picked up again, because I think there was that hunger in me and I started missing interacting with other women in this way, in a supportive role. And again, I just saw this big gaping like need in society. It was like, I gotta, I gotta help out with that. And since then, I've not really had a moment where I want to stop. I've just had, I've had days where I'm tired, of course, right? <laughs> and where I want to put things on pause for a little, but nothing where I'm where, like, I just want to stop. And at one point I was concerned when I got promoted to VP if I was going to have to make a choice between the two. And at the end of the day, I don't think so because I do look at the Savvy Working Mom as an outlet for me and my career comes first, right? So I, and that's the choice that I'm making. My clients never feel that, right? But what that means is I can take on fewer clients, right? So rather than taking on like 20 plus folks, like maybe I have to limit it to five to seven, but I still get to kind of do that. And then I have chosen within the business itself to outsource a lot within the Savvy Working Mom. I outsource a lot. I outsource a lot of the editing, a lot of the social media, et cetera, just so that I don't have to be hands-on keyboard doing anything other than delivering my message. And I think that's really important for moms to know is that you can outsource a lot. You can delegate, you can ask for help. And I think a lot of times they think they need to do it all or have no, 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 exactly. No, you don't have to do it all. In fact, if you do it all, you're doing a disservice to yourself and you're doing a disservice to others because when you try and do it all, you rob others of the opportunity to learn. And when you try and do it all, you rob yourself of the ability to shine in what you're best at. It makes no sense for me, for example, at my job, it makes no sense for me to like double down on developing out crazy Excel spreadsheets. 
right? I've done it in the past. Yes, I can do it. But should I do it? No, because if I do that, that means that I can't be developing out the strategy and creating the future plans for my group. It also means that the younger people on my team never have the opportunity to learn how to develop out these like six spreadsheets because I wouldn't give it to them. And then same with the business. Like, do I really need to be the one typing up and posting everything on Instagram? I don't, right? I give, here's the image, here's the message. Somebody else can spell check it for me. I don't need to take that time, right? It doesn't take away from my contribution. Yes. Yes. I, you're really good at delegation. You're really good at prioritizing what needs to be done in this moment. Are there any things general in life that you just leave messy behind the scenes? So you're like, okay, well, this is always just not going to be a priority. Doesn't matter what, like, is there something you leave? I could only show you my living room right now. We do not post photos of my house. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, for me, I like to cook. I don't like to clean. And our house is not like, I'm not a fashion person. I don't have put my time and energy there. I believe that you should present yourself well, but like there's, I'm not putting a lot of time into makeup and hair. Yeah, I'm not putting a lot of time into having, you know, a Pinterest worthy house at work. I'm not going to be putting a lot of time into micromanaging people, which when I say it that way, it makes it sound like, of course you wouldn't do that. But I really do let my teams, like, here's the vision, here's the strategy, like go get it and come back to me only when you have a problem, right? I'm not necessarily checking in every step of the way so that I can have that time and space to kind of do other things. So yeah, I find for me, The things that I don't like to do are the things that I try and do the least of. Mm -hmm. And the things that I do like to do, I try and do those things the most and I try and do them extraordinarily well. I love that. So currently you're in maternity leave and you have not yet gone back to work technically with two kids. Do you have any fears going back? Are you excited? Like what's your mindset right now? I'm excited. I have fears, all the feelings. I have all the feels. I have all the feels about going back to work. I really love this time at home. I am not meant to be a stay-at-home mom. I am not meant to mom all day long. I find that more draining than I do stepping away and letting someone else help to to help with the childcare. And so I'm looking forward to using my brain in, in a different way. I'm also nervous about going back. I work in the airline industry and when I left, we were just starting the pandemic, right? And now we are full well into it. No one really knows what's happening over the next few months. And so I am a little bit nervous uh, about the state of my industry and some of the problems that I'm going to have to deal with. I was going to say that was the elephant in the room. I was like, I know what company you work for. How's travel? I didn't want to go down that route, but no, it's fine. Yeah, no, but it's real. It's real. And I've been involved, right? My team and it's by choice, right? By choice, because some really, really big decisions had to be made while I was on maternity leave. And I didn't want to come back to, I didn't want to come back to an organization that I am ultimately responsible for having not had a say in these massive decisions. So I've been involved at a very high level along the way, but I know that there's a lot of day to day that my team has purposely been keeping from me that I don't have to worry about. And when I go back, I will need to worry about it. So I'm a little bit nervous about the challenges that lie ahead and coming back into a full fledged when everyone else has been heads down working on this for nonstop for the last four months. And I have only been involved at a surface level, which I think coming back from attorney leave might be a general feeling anyway. It's just all really exemplified, magnified, whatever made bigger because we are in the middle of a pandemic and my industry is deeply affected. I was going to ask, were you answering emails in the hospital or doing that? Or did they actually let you have some peace? I know people who were literally like on their cell phones, closing deals or doing stuff and being like, I'm like, 
I need to push right now. Like we cannot talk. <laughs> no. So, and when you had your baby was like May. So that was like it, right? May. It was like yes. right in the thick of things. And especially for the airline industry. No. So what I told them to was, yeah, I was, I, so with my first son, like literally I was like one day before my due date walking around the office or waddling around the office, <laughs> I should say with this one, this is, I think some second time mom learning stuff. I was like, Nope, I'm going to need my space. So I told them, you know, when the baby comes, I will send y'all a text and then you won't hear from me for two weeks. And unless Rome is about to burn, don't call me. There's one woman that I go through. She's kind of doing the interim role for me while I'm out. And she and I have been in contact regularly. And so it's kind of like, I don't want to hear from anyone but her. If there's an emergency, she can text me. Otherwise, if it's not a true emergency, I need two weeks to just have this baby and be healthy. And I ended up actually going into labor or not labor early. I got induced, but it was unplanned. And so I went on leave a week earlier than we thought I was going to, which was, I mean, it all worked out, but no, I was, I was done. It was like, I have, I actually keep two separate phones. I have a work phone. And I have a personal phone. Oh God. And I did. I brought my work phone with me because it's the, it's the more upgraded phone. <laughs> my personal phone is an SE from, I it might be six or seven years old. I brought it with me, but I was not checking email on that. And my personal phone has, does not have work email. That's the whole purpose of, for me to have two separate phones is that my personal phone does not have my work email on it. So if I want to step away with my family, I can do that more easily. Everybody knows to text me if anything is really truly going on, but that way I'm not I'm not doing myself the disservice of looking at email when there's not actually a reason to do it. So a lot of questions I actually get asked by working moms, especially with going back to work is how do you set expectations? So like a couple twofold is one, how do you prep yourself for going back to work? And then two, how do you set expectations when you go back? I had a friend who just texted and asked, should I tell my boss I work at a very male centric engineering company? I need to schedule on pumping sessions. Like, how do I tell him that without really grossing him out? Like, excuse me, I have to go there. How do you set expectations and how do you prep for going back? Yes, I actually have a whole blog post on this Ooh. that I also have to share it so I can put it in. Yeah, I'll put it in the yeah, show. Notes. And it's from when I had my first son, uh, how what I ended up working through. The one thing I will say, the most important thing for me with going back, because I do feel like that first week or two that you're in the office sets the stage for how everything else is going to be, is if you're going to be using childcare, well, yes, you will. Something's going to happen if you're going back to work, right? You're not going to be with your kids. Try and mimic that schedule at least three days, if not a full week before you actually go back to work. So for me, I knew our son was going to daycare, even though I wanted to hold on to that little mush ball for as long as I could, I put him in daycare the week before. And it's a good thing that I did because I cried so hard from like the separation anxiety for two days. And if I had been in the office, I don't think I could have kept it in any way. I would have just been at my desk crying or in the bathroom crying the whole day. And it really was that first 24 hours. So like, I just had to get that out of my system to be away from him. And then I was fine. But having him in daycare the week ahead, let me get those emotions out. Let me get used to being away from him. Also, let me get used to pumping regularly. Because yeah, I breastfed my first son until he was two. Same so with mine. Helped me. <laughs> yeah. And then, then I went cold turkey like yeah. that week and I was like, you're done. Oh, it. I took a trip. And I said, when I was gone, I like left for six days. I came back and I was like, oh, I left it. it like it, it got lost. It got left there where I went. Sorry, no more. Oops. We kind of did that. We, um, we were in new Orleans where my husband's from and he, well, his mom lives on the North shore. So we, we left him at grandma's house and we went into the city to party like adults. 
And so he was on the bottle anyway for that weekend. And we came back to pick him up. It was like, nope, shop's closed. I love it. Here's your bottle. By the way, that's kind of funny. You're like, we went to New Orleans and he was on the bottle, but uh, (laughs) the milk bottle, that is. Well, you know, it's so funny. He says, instead of bottle, he says bong. (laughs) He's like, I want the bong. I'm like, no. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. The, so anyway, so if you can, before you go out, before you go back to work, try and mimic the schedule, whenever the childcare is going to be, I think is really important. Then I think it's important to let people know what to expect before you get there. So for me, there's a couple different ways to do it. If you can have a direct conversation with your boss, like have the direct conversation with your boss. In fact, I think that's really important is to set those expectations. Pumping takes a lot of time. I thankfully had a very, my boss, he was amazing. This was, I was a director at the time. And so I had a different boss and he was just so amazing and very understanding. And I didn't really even need to have the conversation with him. I was just kind of like, you know, I need to pump three times a day. And I did, I rocked. And then I blocked my calendar and I held those times sacrosanct. It was really interesting to me and that opened up some other thought process for me just about how to take care of myself and self-care at work and things like that because I like very rarely actually respect my lunch hour. I schedule meetings during my lunch hour. I take phone calls. Like I usually don't actually give myself a good lunch hour and in my head, like I couldn't, right? I couldn't get my job done and still have lunch every day, right? Best believe that I figured out how to pump three times a day and I, like I said, I've gotten promoted since. So yeah. I was clearly still doing a great job, but yeah, I blocked the calendar and I just block it. It doesn't say pumping or nursing or Whitney's in the, it just, it's blocked. And I don't schedule meetings around that time. I managed to get all of my pumping, cleaning the supplies and the whole deal done in a half an hour. And so I blocked three half hour slots and maybe I work a little bit longer of a day, half an hour longer or so or whatever. And I used to eat and pump. Yeah, in the midday, I would eat and pump. So it is what it is. But like, I just bought the calendar and then I would not budge on those. Also, because you don't want to budge because then your body gets weird and I wasn't trying to. Right. And then all of a sudden you have have like the hard boob where you're like, what is going on? Something is encroaching and like someone comes in your office to talk to you and you're like, I hope I don't have a leaky spot there too. (laughs) I know I used to. I was lucky that I had an office that closed with a door, but I know a lot of women have to go to like a pumping room and stuff like that. But I almost think it's easier to go to a pumping room because you can actually escape the normal place that people can find you. And so many times I would get knocks on the door. I'm like, don't you see I have a do not disturb sign? Like, and it's blocked off, but yeah. No one respects it. Yeah, we had a pumping room, thankfully. And yeah, I appreciated that because it was also a nice break. I could really step away. Like I bring my laptop and I would be doing emails and stuff while I was pumping, but I wasn't in my office. So it was just, it's nice to kind of have that mental break. The other thing I think of getting people ready when you go back to work is to decide how you want to address people talking to you about the kids and the pregnancy, right? Cause maybe you had a traumatic pregnancy. Maybe your kid is ill. Maybe you just don't want people in your office to know about your family life. I would ask a coworker who you are comfortable with to kind of share that like, Oh, Whitney's coming back and she had a really great pregnancy from all I can tell. She probably just doesn't want to talk about it a lot. Right. And you can have that person kind of start to spread the message so that nobody really has to ask you about it if you don't want to be asked about it. That's really good. I like that. But setting the expectations about that, because I know when I went back, everyone's like, Oh, how's the baby? Can I see photos? Like, and all of that. And sometimes you're like, yay, but it's also encroaching. And you're like, well, maybe I don't really want to talk about that. <laughs> 
Yeah, maybe I don't want you to have all the details. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the other thing is to really have a good conversation with if you're married or your spouse or your partner about this is probably going to be a really weird three to four weeks for me. You're going to have some highs and feeling amazing because you just are going back to work and you love your job and you get to see real people again. You get to see real people and talk to real people and like, yeah, and maybe wear real clothes and not be in pajamas and a nursing bra, like 24 seven. Yeah. You like, you become, you become that, like that part of you that was on hold is like, it's not on pause anymore. You're like push play, turn the volume up. Here we go. Except brain Um, not working function. Like not completely. That is real. That is so real. Hormones Um, too. Yeah. So then you're going to have some lows, right? You're really going to have some lows and you're going to be all over the place and just like have a conversation with your partner that you might need some extra support. And I think for me, the two other things that I would just recommend is know where you're going to cry because you probably will cry. Like the first four weeks, you are probably going to cry at some point because the hormones, because all this roller coaster feelings and emotions. And just know where it is. Because if you're in an office where you can close the door, awesome. But if you're not, like, what is the bathroom that you're going to go to and you want to go to one that there's not going to be a lot of people in? Like maybe someone upstairs, one downstairs, the one out the hallway. Or are you going to go out to your car? But just be prepared that you're probably going to cry. It's not a big deal. Let those feelings out, but just know where you're going to go. So you're not also trying to figure out where you're going to cry. <laughs> and the last thing I would just say is make sure to give yourself grace. Like know that this is extremely trying and it it is a challenge. Even if you love your job, it's a challenge. And so if you don't love your job, it's even more of a challenge and just give yourself some grace. Like there is no such thing as perfection. You're going to go back and feel like you're a hot mess because no one has revealed or like pulled back the curtain to show you how they're making the sausage and how messy it is. But like, just trust it is a messy, messy process and there's nothing wrong with you. Yeah. Is there anything that you think you're going to do differently this time? So like the first time you're a first time mom, it was your first experience going back. Obviously, I mean, it's again, twofold on this one, you're going back to work during COVID. So not everyone is probably in the office and part of it's probably working from home for some of them. Any advice for like what you think a second time mom, the switch would be like, if you were to do things different, what would you do? And then also just how would you even manage coming back from maternity leave, but working from home? Cause now there's no separation of like the church and state. You're like all in one area. How can you detach yourself? Any sort of tips on that? Yeah, I think going back, the only thing that I'm going to do differently than the first time, and it's not only, it's actually a big deal. There's two things I lied, two things. (laughs) One is to adjust my mindset, to give myself a little bit more grace and to be a lot more open to the idea that I don't have to control everything and that everything doesn't have to play out exactly as I want it to, right? But all these meetings that I want to set up and all these people I want to have these conversations with and all the stuff that I want to do the first two weeks, it might not exactly go that way. That's okay, right? I got to just set the plan, but they be comfortable if the plan doesn't exactly roll out how I want it to. So that's, I think, a mindset thing. And then the other thing is to be much more open and communicative about what my needs are uh, and be honest about what my needs are. I think with my first son, I tried to hide it a little bit more. And then I realized there's no point in hiding it. In fact, as a leader, it's kind of my duty and my job to show it so that those who can't show it so easily know that they're, that it's okay. And this time I'm going to definitely be more honest and open about that. And I think that's part of too, like being in the pandemic and working from home and that lack of boundaries. When my son comes bursting into the room, the two and a half year old, which I know he will do. It's like, there's a baby in the room. I have a toddler in the room because we don't have childcare yet. And I'm working from home. There's no, like, I'm not going to sit there and like 
tense up and try and hide the fact that there's a two-year-old screaming my name. It's better just to pause, like yeah, deal like with the- them, <laughs> manage it. Yes. And then come back to the call. That right? was like on cue, by the way. <laughs> it happens. I think that's probably the biggest, those are the biggest things for me. At the end of the day, we are in a very, we live in New York. We're in a two bedroom. We're blessed to be in a two bedroom, but it is tiny. So there just isn't a lot of space here to set boundaries. I have work areas And what I've tried to do, because my work areas depend, like we only have so many spaces. So if my son wants to take a nap, then maybe where I'm working isn't the best place. Like I might work where he's napping, but when it's time for him to nap, I have to move. Or I might be in the living room because I need more light or whatever. And so we've tried to set it up where when mama's laptop is open, I have a surface. And so when my surface is open, that is the space, right? So it's not necessarily like this chair and this desk. It's more like when the laptop is open, especially if the headphones are on, this is mommy's working and you need to like give her some space. And That's we'll right. we'll have to get him used to that again because like I haven't done it. And in fact, I've been giving him tons of attention, but well, we'll see. We'll just, and again, we'll give ourselves some grace and right. know that everyone is dealing with this and not try and hide it too much. Because again, I think when we try and hide our issues that we're dealing with, like there's one thing of like making it someone else's problem, but there's another thing of being very open, honest, and transparent about the fact like, yes, it's challenging working from home from a two and a half with a two and a half year old, let alone a newborn. And here's some of the things I deal with. Kids cry, kids get hungry, kids want to cuddle, kids want mama over dada for whatever and, reason. That is awesome, not but it's just sight, what they want. Right. And if you're not out of sight, out of mind, it's like, mommy's right there. I don't understand. It's like, I, she's just on the other side of the door. I just yeah. want her. Yeah. Yeah. So I think just being open about that and trying not to get on myself. And one of the things that helps me to do that is to really focus on the outcomes. So just being very outcome focused with myself and also with my team, like, what are we working on? Let's make sure that we get it done by the time we say we're going to get it done. And there's going to be hiccups along the way. And some of those hiccups include having to stop because your child's having a tantrum. And some of those hiccups include having to stop because I don't know, we just had some type of a worldwide emergency <laughs> occur. It's, I think it's amazing because you're leading also by example, especially being in your position, you have a team who, if they see, okay, Whitney's doing this, it's, it's okay. Like they won't feel like they're doing something wrong or like if I'm sure they're working from home too, or dealing with similar things. So I love that. I know you're also big on like self-care and wellness and all of that. So I wanted to know what is the first 20 minutes of your day look like? Even with newborn, what is your first 20 minutes of your day look like? So my first 20 minutes of the day, I wake up, I try not to hit snooze. Well, okay, let's, can we do this in two parts? Okay. One part is before I had a newborn. Okay. Part is with a newborn because we just started sleep training. So up until two days ago, I didn't, I might, I was on a 24 hour cycle, you know, nursing. And so it was just, I... Yeah, the there's first, no night or when day. Is the or first anything. 20 minutes when I wake up at 3 a.m., when I get up at 5, or when I get up at 7. Right. Like, what is the first, you know, with the newborn? But before I had a morning routine and I try and follow it as not, I try to, I not try, I do follow regularly. And I follow that routine, not necessarily in the first 20 minutes. I just try and get in all the steps in the first hour. Because what I realized having a toddler, and even now I've gone back to it, and I've been doing it actually throughout, throughout my maternity leave, is that yes, the first 20 minutes of your day really can set up what your whole day is like. But if you can't get to everything that you want to get to from a morning routine perspective in that 20 minutes, like as long as you get it in the first hour, you're actually pretty good. So I wake up my morning routine. I'm doing air quotes, but it is a routine. I call it grace and joy. And I, I just have like these steps that I want to get through every single time that I wake up. And the first is really to get hydrated. So I keep water by my bed stand and I have an emergency reserve of water. I'm also a pumping mom. So like, there's just a lot of, 
liquid that I need. I need to hydrate, but I hydrate. I drink a glass of water and then I try and reconnect with my body somehow. For me, they used to be like hit workouts. That's not really reasonable in this moment. And so I do, I just wake up, have a glass of water and then I'll do some like yoga, but like yummy yoga, you know, like just like deep stretching, like stretching. Yeah. yeah. Like stretching for a few minutes. And then I try and have a little bit of quiet time. So meditation for 60 to 90 seconds, like not a long time, sometimes five minutes, but it's hard for me to find five straight minutes. What time is this that you wake up? Is it like before, like an hour before? Okay. I'm getting up early. So my, right now, my two and a half year old wakes up somewhere between seven and eight, but sometimes 645. So I just plan for him to be up by 645. The infant is still kind of back and forth. But the good thing about him is if he's waking up at five, five fifteen, after I feed him, he goes back to sleep. I would say right now, my wake up time is probably around 545. When I go back to work, I'll probably try and push it to 515 because I do want to get more regimented about my morning routine. But yeah, we're around five or I get up around 545. And after I go through kind of, you know, like, I don't know, some quiet time, some visualization, um, I take some time to express gratitude. I write down the things that I'm grateful for. Sometimes I say them out loud just to like set, there's just so much chaos in the world right now. And there's so much, it's so easy to get negative and go down this negative spiral that I just like to remind myself regularly about the things I'm grateful for. So I do that. And then I think about my day, what's coming throughout the day. And I pick the most important thing for me to do that day. And I commit to the time that I'm actually going to do it. From there on, it's just like right now I'm maternity leave. So it's like with the kids being with the kids. And I've been taking some time in the morning. If I have that gap between when the infant's up and my toddler is up to work on a savvy working mom. Otherwise I just kind of squeeze that in throughout the day. And then, but yeah, I'm on maternity leave. So after that, it's really just being with right. How do you squeeze in actually the savvy working mom when you're working at your corporate job? Like how do you manage both of those or how are you going to early morning? That's why I want to start working up early again. So I spend, I try and wake up early enough that I can spend a good 60 to 90 minutes on the savvy working mom every day. And that includes Saturdays and Sundays to be sure I give my time time off. If I wake up and I'm not feeling it, I'm not feeling it, but otherwise I'm up. The only thing I won't push off is a client appointment, right? If I have a coaching appointment, (laughs) I will stick to that. But it was about me like developing content or doing in like business development type stuff. If I don't feel it one day, I just kind of push it off and try and and be consistent though and make sure that I don't go more than two days of pushing it off, so to speak. So maybe that is a Saturday and a Sunday, but more times than not, Saturday and Sunday are the days that I feel like kind of revived and really want to dive into that a lot, but it's early mornings for me. Late night, I tend to try and wrap up everything that I have with my corporate job so that in the morning I can be focused on that and not have to worry about like getting this email out or that email out or responding to whatever. Do you have any favorite like books, apps, things that you use during your day, like either a gratitude journal, or do you have any apps that helps you organize like any favorites? Or meditation apps, like yeah, what are I like your go-to's? Okay. I like Headspace for a meditation app. And I do use that like off and on throughout the day. Not every day, just some days when I'm like, I feel a little crunchy. I think I need to do something. And then I am a, I'm a planner person. I like a paper planner person. So I use an, a planner called, it's called Box something. Fox Child Box. I don't, I'm looking at it right now. It's like <laughs> next to me. It's called Fox something. And anyway, I like the paper planner, Clever Fox. Of course, it's called Clever Fox. I like this Clever Fox paper planner. And that's what I use throughout the day to kind of keep me, to keep me organized. And after that, I love Spotify because music 
for me really helps to reset the moment if I need that or helps me to focus when I need to focus. So Spotify would be the app that is a weird productivity. Oh no, I have that. I actually, so Spotify has a playlist on there called music for concentration. It's actually one of my absolute favorites. So when I just need to like put my head down and it's like not vocal, I mean, it's only instrumental, but it's an amazing playlist and it literally puts you in the zone. It's better than even like the focus ones and stuff. Cause if they're singing or anything else, then I get distracted by words. So me too. I could distract. It has to yeah. be, I'm the same. It can't be word music. It has to be just like instrumental or yeah. electronic. I like one called lo-fi study beats. Ooh, that's a good one too. Yeah. So yeah. that's, I put that on. It's, there's no singing. If it's singing, I start singing along and then forget it. Um, <laughs> exactly. And just zone in if I need to. <laughs> Well, I wanted to wrap this up with a couple final questions. The first one would be, what is your mom's superpower that makes you a better mom in business or a better working mom? So what is something that you gained as a superpower once you became a mom? Hmm, that's a good one. I would say, I'm trying to think of the nice word for this, but yeah, you I'll don't just have to be nice. Say it's okay. okay. Nice this is all real. The superpower I gained was the ability to let shit go. Just oh, let awesome. it go. I was, I am so type A <laughs> control type of person. When I had a kid the first time, I realized there's a lot of stuff I'm holding on to and trying to control that is just for me to feel better. And it literally has nothing to do with the outcome, has nothing to do with helping other people. And if I let it go, not only does the house not burn down, but like we all feel better. So I just, my superpower is the ability to let it go. I love that. I feel like I'm looking in a mirror, by the way. I feel like we're like aligned souls here because everything you're saying, I'm like, yes, like I do that too. So you're amazing. And then the final wrap up is this kind of is more pandemic oriented, but what is your number one survival tip for working moms right now? Give yourself grace. Just breathe and give yourself grace. There is no right answer to anything in this moment. And if you want it to be, everything can be so scary and you can feel like such a failure because you're not doing it right because, and, and the stakes are that high, right? Because we are talking about life and death in some situations, whether that is someone's actual health or the ability to like feed your children because you need a paycheck. The stakes are so high. The risks are so high right now. And the higher the risk, the more concerned you are. And I feel like that can turn into you feeling like a failure when you really shouldn't. So just give yourself grace. Know that no one has gone through what we're going through right now. And the only thing that you can do is be true to yourself and do your best. And if you're doing your best, it is enough. And by enough, I really mean it's enough. Not like, oh, your best is 80% and 80% is enough. If you're doing your best, you're giving 100% and that 100% is enough, is enough for for you and for your family. And just worry about that. Don't worry about anything else. Well, thank you. Whitney, where can we find you? You can find me at the Savvy Working Mom on Instagram, on Facebook, and my blog is the Savvy Working Mom. But if you would like to check out my podcast, which is what I would love for more people, I just launched it in March and I would love to get more feedback on what people want to hear about. It's called the Savvy Working Mom as well. And it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you listen to your podcast. I love it. Well, thank you for joining me today, Whitney, and good luck going back to work. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy's on a Call. Your support means the absolute world to me. You can find the show notes for this episode and other goodies over at mommiesonacall.com. 
And if you enjoyed this episode or have gotten value from the podcast, I would be so grateful if you could head on over to Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and review so that we can reach and empower more moms all over the world together. Thank you so much again, Mommy Pod, and I will see you here next time.